Welcome to Demond Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demond, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demondcast. My guest has been nominated for the World Fantasy Award five times, and her art has been exhibited at the Delaware Art Museum, the Moore College of Art, and more. Please help me welcome illustrator, artist, poet, and Alice in Wonderland book collector, Jill Bowman! Hi. <laughs> That's quite an intro. I love it. Love I, it. I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I'm glad you did. Excellent. How are you doing today? I'm doing really fine. Doing good. Yeah, considering the circumstances, yes. But we're doing all right. Well, thank you for taking time out to talk to a perfect stranger. <laughs> That's great, because right now, I don't feel you're a stranger anymore. Yay! New friends! New there friends. you go! <laughs> you can't have too many of those. No, not too many. Real friends. Yeah, right. Those are hard to come by. Absolutely. Right. Oh, and you meet new people, and yes, for business and all the rest, it's very good to maintain contact with people you've worked with. Excellent. And uh, in my case, other artists. Right, right. You have worked with, seems like everybody, like Stephen King. You, uh, what is what is the, 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 cat, uh, the cat Mysteries? You did a oh, bunch of those? Oh, uh, Lillian Jackson Braun books. That's yeah, it. I did about 28 of those. And then um, there was another, uh, you did the 25th anniversary of, uh, uh, it was a Stephen King book, what was it? Um, Christine. Christine, that's what it was. That, yeah. I'm like, man, she's been, so I, so anybody listening to this you pr has probably seen your art. Somewhere, possibly, yes. Hard to escape. I've been putting covers on books for 40 years, so I've done a lot of work, thousands of pieces of work. I lost count a long time ago, but I like working in many, many genres. It's a challenge, and I don't get bored. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are more comfortable doing you know, similar styles and similar genres, and that's fine. They feel very comfortable there, and they've, they've mastered that. That's great. I just, um, I'm all over the map. Of course, I lived in New York. It was much, much easier for me than others because I just got on a subway. 30 minutes later, I'm in the city. I was in Queens, and uh, I hit every publisher in town. So you did it the hard way, just pounding the pavement. Pounding the pavement. I used to say that one arm was longer than the other, that I had portfolio arm. <laughs> portfolio arm, nice. Yeah. I was driven. I was driven to do it. I had the opportunities were there, and... It was really good. The other thing that helped a lot were all the conventions that I went to. Science, mostly science fiction conventions in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, they do science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and just about a mixed bag. But there are a lot of them located in New York area. New, New York, New Jersey, uh, Philadelphia, at Philcon. So I did all, all those conventions, yes. All righty, Jill. Are you ready to answer the six questions? Okay. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to be an illustrator? As soon as I could 
hold a crayon or a pencil. And I call it the magic stick. Somehow when I was a kid, I must have been my mother because she used to draw as well. You can make marks with this thing. Oh, my God. You can do things with this magic stick. And then in time, the trick was to learn how to control it, to make it do what you want it to do. And that's the secret of drawing is that you have to be able to control your medium and make it do that. That From that time on, you would find me in a corner either drawing or reading. That was it. Reading, drawing, drawing, reading. That's, that was, those were my interests right away. Right from the beginning. Always wanted to be an artist. And never... Until I had to go to college and my parents said, be an artist? How are you going to make money? What's your retirement plan? How are you going to do this? You can't do this. You want us to pay for college, you have to be a teacher. And so I became an art teacher. They weren't <laughs> wrong. I mean, it wasn't practical to be an artist. What, how would I have gotten work? What would I have been doing back then? They made a point. So I was a teacher for a while. What was one of your first gigs for Marvel Comics? Yes, actually, that was my very first sale. Very strange. To make a long story short, I became agent for another artist named Walter Velez, and Walter Velez did all these Thieves World series, and uh, they're called the Myth series by Robert Aspern. He did tons of stuff. I got him all that work. I've been his agent. For 38 years, but unfortunately, two years ago, he passed away. So he did all this work, and he saw my work, and he said, okay, you're on the right track, but if you want, I've lost my agent. I will teach you everything you need to know to be an illustrator. And in return, you'll be my agent, and you'll be able to make money doing that. So that was the deal we struck. It was just a verbal deal. But he said, you have to stay in for two years. You cannot show your work for two years. You have to work with me. At the time, it seemed like forever. But I did exactly what he said. Yeah. (laughs) And one day he said, okay, you're ready. And I went, okay. Got to Marvel Comics because Walter was given a job to do an incredible Hulk cover for their magazine. And so I was up there at Marvel. And while I was up there, as long as Walter said, you can show your work, I did. And they said, oh, okay. And what I had was a series of six paintings. I called the Bee Family, B-E-E as in Bumblebee. There was the Mother Bee, the Father Bee, the Baby, and the Pet, the Pest, and a little sign that said, Hive, Sweet Hive. And it was like this bee family, and they were all dressed in Victorian dresses, clothes. They said, yeah, we'll pay for this. We'll buy this, and we'll have a writer write a story for it. It never happened. They never did the story, but they paid me. So that was technically my first paying job, but it never got published. That is wild. You you basically came out and was like, uh, oh, this has got to be easy. Why are, Why is there such a thing as a struggling artist? I sold my very first thing. <laughs> Well, it's Walter that opened the doors because he already gave me all his accounts from RCA uh, Records and uh, Scholastic Magazine. Uh, Oh, God, I could go down the list of names of people that I could get to meet because they loved him and they were giving him work. So, yeah, I had a better door opening than most people. 
Uh, they didn't know me, but they knew him. And so I had that opportunity to show the work. Wow. Right. That's wild. Yeah. You know, one thing I always did is I always followed every lead. You know how many friends will say to you, oh, you know, I have a good idea. Why I have a friend who does such and such. Why don't you go check them out? And most people don't. I do. Because you never know. You never know what's going to lead where. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out? Oh, my goodness. Well, I know what I didn't know enough of, of course, was, again, with the art, the technique. And Walter had said, one of the things you need to know, most of all, is figure drawing. You need to learn the human anatomy in and out. You need to learn that. And he said, if you can draw a human anatomy, you'll learn to do any kind of animal, anything. You'll understand anatomy. That was the biggest thing. And I didn't have much. I had done some life drawing classes in college, but it wasn't the same. So I took time out of my week to go to the Art Students League in New York for figure drawing. And I went there twice a week, summer, fall, winter, spring, for five and a half hours a day for 10 years. No joke. <laughs> I went with one teacher, Mr. Rayberger, and who was like Michelangelo reincarnated. And I studied it was life drawing, you know, live models, men, women, whatever, to learn how to do that. Because that was a skill I didn't have down. So Walter was right. And so as long as I'm in the city anyway, you know, looking for work for him or bringing in work, I would work it around my Art Students League classes. And I'm now a life member there. You had to go 10 years to become a life member. But it was one of the best things that I ever did. Can you tell me where that was again? Uh, the Art Students League is in New York City on 57th Street. It's a building that's been there forever. But I had that teacher, and then he, he passed away, unfortunately. And it was like I lost a grandpa. He's wonderful. He was wonderful. Wow. So th these were very precious, uh, important experiences. But the artists today aren't going to do that. They're going to go digital or they're going to find an easy way out. They're not going to spend that kind of time learning things like that or even perspective or other kinds of skills like that. We have other tools that sort of do it for us or can, but I learned all that from scratch. It's the way to go. It really is to get the knowledge. You need the knowledge. So maybe it's helped me survive all this long in the field, you think? Maybe, maybe a little. Maybe that, a little bit. that combined with uh, your obvious hustle. My hustle, yes, my hustle, yes. Covered a lot of ground. Always, you know, contact, always try new things, too. That's the other thing. I didn't stay in one genre. I'm all over the map. I mean, I started out actually more in science fiction fantasy. I did a lot of that in the 80s. More than people realized, more than even I realized. And uh, that was the horror market. <laughs> Yeah, the horror market was the one that I felt closest to. You could get very surreal in that market. Just loved some of the imagery. That led into mystery. I did a lot of Sherlock Holmes mysteries for uh, St. Martin's Press and other places. A lot of Sherlock Holmes. I like mysteries 
And that's where the Lillian Jackson Braun books came in, the Cat Who books, because I had been doing mystery books. And I got that assignment. I think I did, yeah, it was about 28 of those. But even before that, I got into fantasy and science fiction magazine covers, and I've also done about 28 of those. Those are great to do because the stories are wonderful. They use the best writing, the authors. And, and, I, and one of the issues I did is a Stephen King cover. It was from one of his stories. What was it called? I have to remember it. So when you get some places that like to use you a lot, that's really nice. Fantasy and Science Fiction used to be a monthly magazine, and I did two a year. So if I did about 28, you see how long I did it for. So that really helps a lot put you on the map. Question number three. What is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Now, I know we, I know you mentioned that you don't go out much. So what is your favorite thing to cook? What's your go-to? Well, actually, I'm going to go a little bit back to the first only because I'm not living in New York anymore and have realized they don't know how to make bagels here. <laughs> okay. A bagel to here is a round thing with a hole. That's a donut. <laughs> they don't know how to do They can't do bagels because they don't have the New York water. They, don't, they can't do it. And they, don't, they can't make pizza. They get the pizza. I mean, it's all good in a way. It's not New York pizza. So that I'm missing, actually. Yeah, and there's certain things I can't get. I know it might sound weird, half-sour pickles. You get dill pickles here, which are okay, but it's not the same. I don't know why they don't have half-sour pickles, but they don't. Half-sour? <laughs> so, so, did you say sour pickles? Half-sour. Half, half I've never They're heard half of that. Sour. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I like. But anyway, no bagels. So they, there's a bagel shop. I'm afraid to step my foot in there. What do I cook? I cook kind of simple things, actually. You know, I I don't really eat meat. I'll eat chicken or fish. I'm not a vegetarian, but I don't eat meat at all. I don't eat any beef. Or... You see, there's a food rule. The food rule is we don't eat cute animals. We eat ugly animals. Bunnies are cute. We don't eat that. But we'll eat turkeys because they're ugly. So you can eat ugly animals. So we don't eat any animals with eyelashes either. Cows have eyelashes. They're cute. Lambs. Oh, my God. Lambs are so cute. So that's the rule. I don't know. What do I make? I make really good stuffed shells. I do do that. I do like that. Or lasagna. I like Italian food, which I think is really good. Oh, they also hear not New York Chinese food either. (laughs) No. Not bad in certain dishes, but it's not the same. New York has everything. Just everything. But. They have really good Mexican food here. I love enchiladas. They're really good. So things like that, although I don't cook that. But, you know, I make pasta salad. Actually, I my daughter gave me a recipe for a really nice chili dish, which is really good. And so I've been making that. So that's just simple things. You know, I love salads and I love salmon. Broiling a piece of salmon is really good. Simple things, nothing fancy. There are certain restaurants that, you know, I mostly go to a restaurant when people come to visit. You take them out. Somehow you you take them out to eat. So, and I'm just getting to know the places here. 
Question number four. What are you curious about? <laughs> Everything. Oh, I, I am a trivia junkie. Oh, my God. I'm also a news junkie. I have to know everything just because you can really talk to people about it. I know some people did, were so turned off by the politics and what went on the last bunch of years. And I watched it because I want to know what they're talking about. At least I could say I can form an opinion having seen or heard both sides and the one thing really fascinating, the first thing when I got my first computer was the Google search in the beginning because you can look up anything. I was a library nerd. I used to live in the library with the books just to learn about things. Even in art, if I have to do a certain kind of animal, I start looking up the animal, where it came from, its habits, and what it's about. And you can do all that, you know, going through the Google searches. But uh, the library was always fascinating and curious about everything in the world, how things happen, what happened, curious about other people. I guess I think I had said I, I used to read biographies and uh, autobiographies to learn how did these people, whether they were artists or musicians or actors, how did they get into this? How did this all start? What was the path they followed? So that, to me, I'm very curious about. And, of course, I love a lot of historical stuff, too. And even on some of these series that they play that may not be all that great, I just love the period sets that they create, which are great. So I really like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at the sets and then the backgrounds and everything, and other people are listening to the story. <laughs> I love the visual. Well, some of the visuals are great, you know, in many of these series that they have even if the series is not the greatest thing. But that makes it worth watching for me. that help? Yes, it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Question number five. Is there anything I should have asked but didn't? I don't know. I think I filled in things I thought people might be interested in. Oh, you mentioned my Alice in Wonderland collection, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, the reason I started that, yes, I always wanted to illustrate Alice. When I was very young, people will say, you know, what books did you really like when you were young that you still remember? And Alice was one of them. It was so bizarre and quirky. And, you know, it's a great book. It's a fantastic book. So I always said, I think I'm going to illustrate Alice. So I decided that, let me see what other illustrators did, not realizing, oh, my God, thousands of books. Oh, my God. But my sister, uh, was living in England for many, many years, since 73, I think. She was living in England, and that's the place to buy them because I, I got into all the old bookstores, the antiquarian bookstores, and I started seeing these Alice books. And then I was studying the illustrators, what they were doing with the Alice. So I started buying them, and I realized there was some value to this. So a couple of hundred later, <laughs> Alice books. Wow. Oh, my God. It took over my world. Well, what happens, too, is funny when you collect something. People think they're doing a good thing. They, give, they say, oh, I found an Alice book you might like, and they give me a gift of an Alice book. But it, many times it was a Disney Alice book, and that's not my favorite Alice book. 
I've since sold every Disney Alice. Wasn't crazy about, you know, the art in that. And then, of course, great artists, Rackham and other people, great people did art for that, of that book. Amazing. But now I'm selling the collection. Now, the yeah, the irony of all of this is that I never did an Alice in Wonderland book because Tenniel, the original Alice, to me, is the quintessential and best illustrator of them all. And although there's some great art, really great art there, that's still my favorite. It just is. So, But I did create an Alice in Wonderland cover for Amazing Stories magazine some years ago, and I got to do an Alice cover. So I got, that's where my Alice went. That's <laughs> <laughs> very cool. I know. They all have stories, every one of them. So I'm selling this collection on eBay, actually. I've been selling it. I've whittled it down to, I don't know, maybe there's 50 left here, but they're the best ones. Always save the best for last. I had created a website using Dreamweaver, and I, I learned how to do that myself. That was fine. But now it's different with all the cross platforms, and it's, I don't want to take the time to sit and learn it. So there's a regret that I wish maybe earlier on I had learned how to build websites. Yeah maybe earlier on in that to do that. Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? (laughs) But there's only one holiday worth anything. There's only one. You know what that is. My birthday? Halloween. Halloween. (laughs) That's my favorite. You can't top that one yeah i have more halloween paintings every year i'm so inspired to do this it's just such a fun thing i know birthdays after a while you want to forget about them and christmas and stuff like that you know all the adults have decided it's really for kids we're not sharing gifts anymore that type of thing halloween is it for me that's my very very favorite so you wouldn't create a new holiday? If you could create a new holiday, what would you? Mm. What would it be about? I have no idea. Because I like doing the horror genre so much, that's yeah. my favorite. Halloween fits right in there. But, you know, along the way, over the years, they've created new holidays. And, you know, Earth Day, it's not a day off. But, they, you know, they have all this stuff. Um, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day. They should wait. They should have a grand grandparent day. I have one grandson. I see. Grandparents should be honored too. There's no grandparent day. <laughs> You're making me want to go search real quick to see if there is one. I don't think so. Well, you know, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day. I don't know a grandparent day. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I'm not too big on the holidays. You know. I did look yeah. up Grandparents Day, and yeah. Grandparents Day is actually, uh, according to Google, September 12th. Really? Yes. There's really such a day? According <laughs> to Google. That? All right, according to Google, what do they know? Yes. Well, <laughs> well if me. there is, I've been cheated here. No, I'm not cheated. <laughs> you got be, as long yeah. as you got beautiful grandbabies, it's all good. That's your reward yeah. for being a, being a parent. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, that was one of the reasons that took me so long to move to Arizona. I couldn't leave him. Mm-hmm. I just you know, he's eleven sense. now because I had him almost every day. Oh wow! Uh, 
Well, because his mother was working. His mother was working, and he lost his father. Father passed away, and uh, when he was three and a half, so uh, I had him, and so I missed him terribly. But now he's eleven, pretending to be a teenager, and she can have him. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you when you're in your (laughs) twenties. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't tell me what to do, right? That's what I get. But I am helping him virtually with his homework every day. I, he's very smart, and uh, so that's nice seeing him like that. So that's what I do. So I'm still teaching. How's that? And I may be teaching here in Arizona. There's an art academy here, and uh, they were looking for teachers, and I said, sure, I'll teach a class or two. Yeah, but once the COVID is over, I'll be able to do that. I've been meeting other artists here, which is Again, I had said in the beginning, it's a very culturally rich place, and the art is wonderful. I just love the diverse cultures because I love the Native American art. It's beautiful. And I love the Mexican art, the colors and all of that. I created actually two pieces of art for the Day of the Dead because two galleries put out a call for entries. They were having a virtual show, and each of them accepted. I created two new pieces. And so they were up there on their site. So I'm getting involved with the galleries, but they are not really open now. They're doing the virtual shows, which are fine. But I've met some of these people over the years I had been coming. Fine art will be the next thing. How's that? Very cool. So aside from science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and mystery, and everything else in between, we'll do that. See? A new challenge! (laughs) This is the part where you tell the listeners how to find you on the interwebs. Okay, it's just my name. Uh, Jill Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N dot com. That's the website. And the email is on the site. If somebody had a question they wanted to write, it's on there. Very simple. Thank you so (laughs) much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing this. This is wonderful. Thank you for listening and thank you for taking time to hang out. And also thank you for taking time out to leave a five-star rating and review. We appreciate it. It helped the show grow and more people can join the conversation. Next week, we get to know the co-host of the Letterkenny podcast and the Boondocks podcast. We talk podcasting, obviously, karaoke and roller derby. Join me as we meet the tough, tenacious, tender teacher, Tiara Walker. So until next time. See it, hear it, speak it, live it.